Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Hey, we've been in this Kingdom of God series, and I just want to make a few review comments. Always good to review, catch up with what we've been touching on. Maybe some people haven't been with us the last three weeks, but this is uh, week four out of five in the Kingdom of God. We may actually go six. I don't know. We're flexible. Um, But why the kingdom of God? Again, because it was the focus of Jesus' ministry. Uh, Jesus declared from the very first statement uh, in public, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist, the same words. Uh, The kingdom of God is among us. The kingdom of God is at hand. And really that marks the focus of what Jesus' ministry was mostly attentive to. How do I experience the kingdom of God? How do I live in the kingdom of God now? Not sometime later down the road. Uh, I don't check off boxes and then I'll deal with the kingdom later. Kingdom of God is meant to be lived out now. And Jesus was trying so hard uh, to get people to see that and to invite them into that. Uh, So, and then last week we spent time talking about parables. And again, why parables? Um, because Jesus used parables most of the time to talk about the kingdom. Most parables start with a phrase, the kingdom of God is like dot, 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 and then he would go on to give a parable, a story to kind of give you a hint, give you a clue of what the kingdom of God is like. Um, We uh, looked at the interesting reason why Jesus may have used parables. Uh, It isn't the clearest way to communicate. In fact, it caused confusion a lot of times. People didn't understand. People didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, And I think, in some ways, that was intentional. Why? Because Jesus gives the secrets of the kingdom of God, he said to his disciples, to those that pursue me, to those that follow me. I will give you the kingdom secrets. You will know what it looks like. To those on the outside, I speak in parables. Um, His desire is that we, you know, you you can hear it. You can listen to something and walk away, or you can listen to something and say, oh, I get it, and then just move on. Or you can say, i got to know what this means. And to really know it, you've got to do it in relationship. So that was where we landed last week. And we also talked a little bit about who is the kind of person that Jesus is looking for. Who are the followers? Uh, What's the characteristic that Jesus is looking for, for people that would follow him, that would experience the kingdom? And uh, we read this verse last week. I'll read it again. Matthew 11.12 says this, From the time of John the baptizer until now, the kingdom of God has been advancing forcefully, and forceful people take hold of it. Forceful people seize it. Uh, Jesus is not looking for passive followers. Jesus is not looking to make you feel better. He's, he's inviting you to go after it, to experience the kingdom in relationship, wrestle with things that you you're not familiar with. Um, So that's where we landed last week. Um, Today, uh, we're going back to the uh, parable of the sower. I'll just say this now in case I forget to say it later. I would rather have it read, and we will in the notes for this video. It should be be titled The Parable of the Soils, because it's not about the sower. It's about the receiver. It's about the soils. Um, So why, why this parable? Again, good question. There are about 40 we could choose from. Why this one? Because Mark 4.13 says this. That's magic. Okay. Mark 4.13 says, Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? 
how then will you understand any parable? Uh, he's basically saying this parable is really important for you to get a hold of. In some ways, it's a parable about parables, or the other parables are somehow tied to this one. Uh, this is really important to understand, so that's why we're going to kind of spend more time just focused on that. Uh, last week, we looked at, we, we just gave you the parable. We left out the explanation until this week. Um, so that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, it was also in three of the four Gospels, uh, which tells you something. It's, it's important. Every synoptic Gospel has it. Uh, Mark 4, uh, Matthew 13, Luke 8. Uh, a little different wording in some of them, which helps us understand some of it. Uh, and I may insert some of those other translations in there. But, um, but that's what we're landing on. Uh, important context is important. I almost probably say that a lot. Uh, really important. And uh, context in that day, there was a cultural kind of um, tradition, cultural, I would call it a template for parables. Parables were not a odd thing. Jesus didn't invent parables. Uh, and parables were meant to be uh, what they would call it the four ways to learn, the four learners. They're, what are the four learners? Um, this is something the audience would know. Uh, Four learners in the culture there. Fast learner, slow doer. That would be one. You know, I just invite you to kind of look at these and say, oh, I think I'm more like that one. That was the intention of giving parables, to kind of identify what kind of a learner are you? How do you apply this parable to your, your life? Uh, fast learner, slow doer. I put in there, applies it. Uh, that is a person who learns it quickly, understands it, uh, but they're slow to apply it. It's like they get the information. I get it. I'm not sure I'm ready to really go for it. I'm not sure I'm ready to apply it. So that's number one. Number two, uh, second one would be slow learner, faster. Somebody takes a while to really understand uh, what's being said, what's uh, to take it in. But once they do, (laughs) they're going after it. They're going to respond quickly. Uh, They're going to apply it to their lives. Uh, Number three would be a fast learner, fast doer. Uh, Obviously, that's the the really go-getter. Hey, I get it. I get it fast. I learn it fast. I'm a quick learner, and I apply it equally fast. Uh, I respond to what I hear. I respond to what I'm listening to. And then fourth, probably not the one we want to aspire to, the slow learner, slow doer. Really slow to understand, maybe even slower to apply it. Uh, Somebody's just a hearing person for the most part. Um, So those are that. That's a little context there. And... Another way, uh, another expression of that, in the Jewish tradition in that day, they described the four learners this way. Number one would be a sponge. A sponge is someone who takes everything in <laughs> and holds on to everything. Uh, you know, that'd be the kind of person that, oh, yeah, that philosophy, that's awesome. That, no, that's great. Yeah, great, super. They take it all in, but they don't filter it. They just accept everything that they hear as being good and right and true. Um, they don't. They don't discern. They don't have a conviction about anything in particular. They just say, ah, I, "I'll kind of believe this, but if you want to believe that, that's great." And that's kind of that person. Uh, second person would be a funnel, kind of just the opposite in a sense. They take everything in, they hear it all, but it all goes away. They never apply it. Uh, they just they're just hearers. Um, Jesus at one time said, uh, "Don't be hearers only, but doers." Uh, that would kind of apply to the funnels. Don't be somebody who takes everything in and it just goes away. Um, third, 
and this is kind of an odd one, strainer, uh, takes everything in but only keeps the bad. <laughs> Who would do that? I mean, if, I don't think it's intentional, but it's reality. Uh, I kind of liken it as somebody who takes everything in, but they hold on to what they have grown up believing. They hold, they hold on to the bad or the incomplete. or the, They're not willing to accept maybe new truth, new and discern that and apply it. They strain everything else out and just continue to hold on. This, uh, uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Fourth would be uh, a sieve. Uh, this is where I think we should want to land. Take everything in, hear it all, um, but keep the good. Be willing to let go of things you may have held on to before. Uh, let that go and accept and hold on to the good and apply that. Uh, so that was kind of in the Jewish tradition. So with all that backdrop, Jesus presents a parable about four soils. Uh, four, as we'll find out really quickly, four heart conditions. Uh, that's what the soils are supposed to represent, are four different heart conditions. Um, and again, your question, our question today is, as we go through this, what, what kind of soil do you most resonate with? with? Which soil, how do you hear, understand, and apply uh, the gospel or what Jesus is saying? Um, so that's, that's, what he's, uh, that's what he's getting at. And I might just say the condition of the heart, the condition of the soil as we go through them, the condition of the heart determines how much you're going to understand and respond to. So the heart is a real key here to discern where the heart is. Not your mind, not can I understand, but how do I take it in? How do I understand it? How do I apply it? That's what, that's what the parable is basically about. So then Jesus uh, starts in with his explanation. And he starts in with soil number one. What's the first soil? It says the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes away the word that was sown in them. So that's the first heart condition. That's the first descriptive soil, first type of learner in that sense. So this is somebody that hears the word but doesn't understand it, and immediately Satan comes and takes the word away or removes the word from the heart. Uh, the first part of the parable talk, description is, hey, the birds come and eat it up because that kind of describes what happens in the real world. Um, so what, is, uh, what does that path look like? What does that mean? Uh, well, the path, in this case, um, it's like in, in their culture, in their setting, a farmer would have a fairly small plot of land, uh, and he would be separated from his neighbors with kind of a boundary, but mostly a path that goes through there, where they tend their field, where they go out and do their thing. And when field's all ready and they're ready to plant, they just sow the seed everywhere. Um, can't just direct it necessarily the way they sow their seed. Some of it will fall on that path. And their description, the birds will come and eat it up. I like to look at it as <laughs> Terrell Library. Uh, when I was a student here, and it's still true, and I go on campus, uh, you know, they got sidewalks. That This is where you go to get Terrell Library. You go down this way about 30 feet and then up this way. But students aren't... That way, they go, oh, I like this path that doesn't exist. I'm just going to walk across the grass. And enough students do that, and what do you got? You got a new sidewalk, except just a bare grass, a bare path where the grass used to be. And uh, somebody come along, gardener, and say, well, I'll just throw some soil or so, some seed on that. It'll be fine. Well, no, I'll just wash away because the ground is too hard to take in the seed. Um, so that's kind of a description of what the path can look like. Um, <laughs> 
So the question would be, what makes a heart hard? What makes the soil hard in our, in our case? And I, I think there's really two ways, uh, two major ways that that can happen. One could be literal. Somebody could grow up experiencing being trampled, uh, you know, beaten up in some ways emotionally, uh, maybe more so than physically, but just, and, and spiritually. Maybe they grew up in a church. Maybe some people grew up in a cult, and they just are beaten down with bad information. And maybe they come out of those experiences. Maybe they just had a bad church experience. Uh, something happens, and they just become hard. They say, you know, I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> and you can say the word to them all day long, and they'll just bounce right off. Um, you know, I was, I was one of those kids that grew up in a very dysfunctional family. My parents got divorced when I was about 10. And uh, <laughs> we were a CEO church family, for those who remember that term, uh, Christian uh, Christmas, Easter, and occasionally. That was our family. Um, So we weren't really committed to church, but I liked it as a kid. You know, you got the stories, you got the Sunday school, kind of fun. And then this stuff hits the fan, and my parents break up, and that was me breaking up with the church, saying it's not relevant to me. Stories are great, but God obviously isn't affecting my life. God isn't there for me. And so I I became hard-hearted. I spent all of the rest of the years, all the way through high school, saying I'm not going to church. I'm not listening to it. It doesn't interest me. You can tell me anything you want. It's just going to bounce right off. I was that kind of kid. Um, Other thing it could be is is somebody who's actually religious can make you just as hard-hearted. Interestingly enough, ironically enough, uh, you can grow up going to church all the time, hearing it all. I know it all. I've heard all those stories. You know, it just kind of bounces off you. A uh, great example of that would be the Pharisees in Jesus' day. You know, they constantly came out to hear it. But they were like the, the, the strainer. You know, they heard all this, but they were going to hold on to what they believed. They weren't interested in hearing the truth. They weren't interested in responding to what Jesus had to say. They were there to justify their belief system. I'm good if I'm just a good person. If I follow the law, I'm fine. Um, so they... That's a hard-hearted person, and Jesus referred to the Pharisees that way. So that, was, uh, that describes that. Well, then interestingly enough, at the end of this description, it says immediately Satan comes and takes the word from their heart, takes away the word. Why, why would he do that? They already don't. They're not interested. They're not listening. Um, but Satan knows the word is incredibly powerful. You can't let that seed sit on that heart sits there long enough, and it's, it's going to penetrate. It's going to do something. The word is powerful. Um, so he comes and takes it away. Uh, great description. Um, <laughs> I've experienced kind of that idea. I used to, uh, when I was in high school, uh, parents lived apart. I would mow my dad's lawn in the summer. Well, he had a house that had a kind of semicircular driveway, asphalt driveway. And on the edges, you know, where it started to break into the grass, um, it was just astounding to me. They, we had these uh, horsetail ferns. You know, familiar with those? They're just little ferns that come up, and they're really fragile. They got little rings on them, and then you can snap them off. And there's there's no strength to the plant at all. But I was astounded every time I went there. It's like another spot where these horsetail ferns, the seed got underneath the asphalt from the edge, and it would actually push up and and sprout uh, through the asphalt. This fragile, tiny seed, this tiny plant that had no business being able to sprout there, but it did. 
Uh, here's a picture of that. Just, I mean, just look at how fragile that plant is compared to a hard surface asphalt. But that seed sits under there. It's incredibly powerful. It astounds me. I still look at it and go, how in the world did that happen? But Satan knows that's what the power of the word is. Can't sit on the heart. Um, well, <clears throat> question is, what do you need to do? What, what, what can we do about this soil type? Uh, and I would suggest three things. One is just that. Um, the word has the, the ability to break that soil. And that means if somebody continues, they're willing to come to church or they go for other reasons or whatever, that's a possibility. I would say two would be prayer. Um, you know, I, I don't think it does much good to talk to a person more about what you believe about Jesus. That's not, you know, they're already hard-hearted. You got to get to. You got to plow the field before that seed can take take root. Um, so prayer would be a powerful tool. And third, and I think maybe even most effective, live out your own relationship with Jesus. Put Jesus on display because Jesus is capable of breaking somebody's soil. Uh, they see that. That again was my experience. Uh, I made it all the way through senior year, avoided church, avoided young life. Finally, my senior year, only because it was, for me, it was more of a social thing. Okay, it's at this gal's house up the street. Some buddies are going to be there. It's my senior year. I'll go just to hang out, just to have fun. Um, so I went, and there I was, and hearing the word, and it just cracked me. And why? Because I looked at the people in the room that had something I didn't have, and I said, I want that. That was probably my biggest draw. I don't remember what was said. I just remember I want what they've got. And that led me on my pursuit of a relationship with Jesus. So there's, a, there's soil number one, the hard path. Number two would be the rocky soil. And it's Mark four sixteen and 17. Others, like seen, seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word and once, at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, and one of the other gospels would say no root in themselves or no depth of root, uh, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So here's a person who hears the word, receives it with joy, immediately springs up, and then the sun comes out in the uh, first part of the parable. Trials, persecutions, trouble Things going on, and they just wither and die. And you might think, why, why, did that, why is that so effective? Why did it die? Well, because it had no root in itself. It had no root that went down. It was shallow soil. Uh, Judy and I, when we uh, first got married, we moved to Spokane. About three years into marriage, we rented this house. And uh, things we were most excited about, they had this decent-sized backyard, but they had a really nice garden that they'd used. This was... February, March, when we moved into this house. And the soil was really soft. And I just, you know, me knowing nothing about gardening, I said, perfect, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> you know, it's got nice soft soil, I don't have to do anything. So I just planted all these seeds in there, uh, not remembering or not knowing or not taking care of the fact that underneath that three inches was just hard pan. It was clay. It was hard. And so... Yeah, immediately. And all the nutrients were in that top layer. It's extremely fertile. So I planted the seeds, watered. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm a great gardener. And uh, we did that for about a month. And we've seen all this stuff grow up. And they're getting big. And we're going, yeah, we're going to eat well this week. And then we went away for two days, two and a half days, Memorial Day weekend. 
and it was a hot weekend. I didn't even thought about it. What's two days without? Well, the sun came out for two days, and it. We came home and it was all. It was all on the ground. It was all wilted. We thought, how in the world did that happen? Well, Jesus describes it perfectly, because a seed, when it when it, it needs a root system, but can't go down. Guess what? It's just going to spread out. So all the roots were at the top couple inches of soil. So when the sun came out, killed all the roots. Didn't have a taproot. Didn't have a deeper root going down. Um, well, that to me is a great description. Well, what <laughs> what does a rocky soil represent? Uh, again, a little review uh, for those of you that saw the original uh, video with Marty talking about introducing the kingdom of God. Uh, he made the statement that there are three factors necessary to uh, experience the kingdom of God. Uh, one is the finger of God is at work. You recognize the kingdom. The kingdom of God is among us. I see that. I see God is at work. Uh, and then two, pledge allegiance to the king. I'm going to give God his place. He's the king in this kingdom. Um, and then three, you're willing to do what the king wants you to do. You're willing to obey the king. Uh, only when all three of those happen do you experience the kingdom of God. Do you walk in the kingdom uh, life? Um, I think this soil is a great example of the rocky soil because something is blocking that root from going down. And I, for me, it made total sense that uh, the reason I was this plant, I mentioned I got kind of excited about Jesus when I uh, was a senior. Well, that summer I went to Young Life Camp and uh, had a whole week of hearing the gospel in an amazing environment. And I said, yes, that's what I want. I heard the word, received it with joy, sprung up immediately, and came home on fire. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I did. You know, I went to this. I was watered every day. <laughs> Because I went to this fellowship, I went to church, I went to this small group, and uh, you know I was a healthy-looking plant. And then I came to WSU. That was only a month before that. You can fill in the blanks. Um, but for me, the rock in my soil was: I want both. I want I want Jesus as my Savior. I'm not sure I want Him as my Lord because I want to call the shots in my life. I want to control what I do. I want both. I want, I want this relationship, no question. But I also wanted to experience what I wanted to experience in college. And so my roots went out because that rock blocked my root from going down. I really didn't have a, a relationship with Jesus. I had a relationship about Jesus. <laughs> and as uh, soon as uh, persecution hits, trouble, stuff hit me, and you can fill in the blanks, uh, my plant just withered and died. Um, that was a great description of, for me, of what that's about. Um, well, the sun, let me ask this question before I ask about what do you do about it. What does the sun do to a healthy plant? It helps it grow. I mean, plants need the sun, right? What does the sun do to an unhealthy plant? It kills it. Is the sun the issue? No. Well, all of our lives we experience trouble, persecution. We, uh, tough things happen. Um, but the result of what, that ha- of what happens is our heart condition. Or do we have a deep root? Do we have a relationship with Jesus that we can, we can not only survive tough times, but we can thrive? Uh, because Jesus wants those things in our life just for that purpose, to help us grow, help us cling tighter to him. Um, but in my case, root system was not there. 
Uh, so that was number two. What do you do? Uh, what do you do about this? <laughs> For me, it was simple. I just got to that point of either uh, I had to pick which which one I want. Is God going to just be a, a great idea, or am I going to actually commit myself to being under His control? Is He going to be the Lord? Am I pledging allegiance to the King? And once I made that decision, I made that commitment, then my rock was broken. And now the roots could go down. And now things that were still going on in college didn't wipe me out. In some ways they helped strengthen me because this relationship became more powerful in my life. Um, so that was number two. Uh, third soil, the weedy soil, Mark four eighteen and 19. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, They hear the word, but the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Um, Interesting description. So here's a person who hears the word, receives it, becomes a healthy plant, but kind of after the fact, then these things, the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, desires for other things come in and choke the plant. Um, so what, how do we explain that? Well, what, what, what are the characteristics of weeds? Two, two main things. They mimic a healthy plant. Uh, weeds are really good at that. I mean, sometimes you don't even know it's a weed until they get to where they sprout somehow. Uh, Jesus tells a parable later about the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, they couldn't tell which was which until they bore grain. Oh, that's tare. Oh, that's wheat. But we're talking about weeds that like to mimic a healthy plant. They like to kind of Stay out of the way of uh, trying to deal with them. And then the other thing is they compete for nourishment. Uh, weeds, they, I mean, they make their living by basically stealing nutrients from surrounding plants. They'll intertwine with their root system and they'll, you know, they'll, it, it, the more you feed the weed, the more you allow the weed to grow, the, the more it chokes off a healthy plant. Um, that's the description here. So what does that look like for somebody? That could be somebody who has a relationship with Jesus, um, but they, are, they have no space for that relationship because they have filled their lives or they worry so much or they're pursuing other things um, to the point that it chokes out their relationship. Uh, they are just, their life is full of other things. They don't have room for Jesus in their life. Um, that would be the description. Weeds will be there, but it's a matter of how, how much... We're in control of them or they're in control of us. Literally, what you feed the most will thrive. What you deny nourishment will will fade. Um, So there's that picture. Um, (laughs) I I said it mimics the plant. I, I would say with great confidence that this person a lot of times could be somebody, could be me in ministry. I can make ministry my weed. Because relationship with Jesus, or excuse me, service for Jesus is no substitute for a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we compensate. I don't have time to really develop my own relationship with Jesus, but I'm going to serve him. I'm going to do all these good things. You know, maybe the things you do are good. You know, you're building a business. You're taking care of your family. You're doing all this. But if Jesus is not in that formula, if he's not prioritized, those things have become weeds. Fascinating story in that context is when Jesus comes to visit Mary and Martha. You kind of know that story. He comes to the house of Mary and Martha, and they're excited to have him. And Martha is busy preparing, serving Jesus. 
She's cooking the food. She's cleaning things. She's making things right. She's, she wants to serve Jesus. And uh, to such a point, uh, her sister Mary is actually sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to Jesus talk. She's spending her time with Jesus. And Martha comes up pretty indignant and says, Teacher, tell my sister to come help me. I'm serving you. Tell her to do what I'm doing. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are distracted by many things. Um, What you're doing is not bad, but you are consumed by worry and uh, desires for other things, even serving God. Uh, Mary has chosen the best thing, and it won't be taken from her. Uh, Mary, in her garden scene, is weakening her weeds. Martha is strengthening her weeds. Uh, that's kind of the picture I see. That's what, that's what I see happening. Well, um, what do you do about that? What's, what's the answer to that? Simply put, you've got to create space. You've got to create space. Uh, I love this saying, learned it a couple of years ago. If you create space, God will fill it. But you've got to create space. Even God, when he created the world, he separated things. He created space. It says he made the, uh, separated the sky from the earth. And then he filled the sky. And he filled the earth. I mean, that's the way God is. That's his creative nature. Same way with us. God wants to create and do things in our life. But we've got to create space for him. If we create the space, he'll fill it. And it'll weaken the weeds around us. It'll maintain our garden so it can be healthy. Um, so there's the uh, whatever you feed will thrive. Uh, then we go to the fourth soil. This is the one that obviously he's pointing to. Others like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, some 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Um, didn't have to add any more. Just hear somebody who hears the word, receives it, commits themselves to follow Jesus, does all they can to to follow what he wants them to do. Um, that's a healthy plant. Um, that's the goal. Uh, I love the fact that Jesus says, yeah, everybody wants that, but here's what gets in the way of that. Here's what you have to look at in your own life if you want to experience this. Um, not criticizing, not judging, just saying this, this is the reality. If you want to experience the kingdom of God, pledge allegiance, do what God wants you to do, prioritize God, create space. Um, well, a couple of concluding remarks here. One, good soil always had, has rocks and weeds, right? I mean, if you're a gardener, it's not like, I've got the good soil. I don't have any reeds. I don't have any rocks. <laughs> that's naive, and that doesn't happen. Uh, strange phenomenon, rocks resurface. You ever garden and you take out all the rocks? and Where the heck did this come from? I, know, I didn't see kids throwing rocks in my garden, but, you know, they resurface. Great analogy to, you know, there's different times in our life where we struggle to give God control, we struggle to trust God. It becomes a kind of a rock that starts to resurface. Am I going to trust God here or am I going to hang on to my way of doing things? And God break that rock. God take that rock. And I should say that, first of all. He's the gardener. We have to recognize and give things to him. We have to recognize our rocks and our weeds in our life. But he's the one that's capable of taking those out, breaking them. We just have to give him permission. We have to invite him in as a gardener to do his work. Um, Because we can spend a lot of time just trying to control our own weeds without his intervention, and that's not going to help much. Um, So, rocks resurface. 
Weeds don't need planting. I don't know anybody that said, gosh, I shouldn't have planted as many weeds. That's not good. They're just a phenomenon of weeds. They pop in. I don't matter what you, I, every year did my weed control fertilizer. Next year, doing the same thing. I don't remember planting weeds. Well, it's a great picture of our world. We live in the tension. We live in the world where there are weeds, distractions, other things that grab for our attention. Uh, that's the tension we'll live with for the rest of our lives. We try to follow Jesus and we have to maintain our garden. Uh, weeds have to be controlled. So good soil doesn't mean you don't have those things. It just means you're, uh, you're able to take care of them easier because they're not overgrowing your garden. They just need some maintenance. They need attention. Um, so there's that. Well, finally, I'll just finish with this. What, what season of this analogy are you in? Are you in a season where you are? I mean, you've got a nice garden and it's growing, but you're, you're having to maintain. You're having to do things. You're having to deal with rocks and weeds that are popping up. Or maybe you're at a place where I need, you know what? I need to prepare my field. <laughs> I need to plow it up. I need to remove the rocks. I need to make the, I need to prepare my soil to hear what God wants me to say. I have to be in a condition where God can impact my life. Uh, again, when the, uh, in the, the crowd he's talking to, it was a pretty laborious thing to first get your field started. You had to take all the heavy rocks and dismiss them. You had to burn off all the weeds. And you had to plow up the, the soil so that when the seed is sown, you can receive it. Um, and you can respond to it. Uh, well, <clears throat> Jeremiah 4.33 and 4 sounds like a weird reference. But there's only two verses in the Old Testament that reference unplowed fields. This is one of them. <laughs> it's almost like, I don't know whether which came first. Did Jesus just intend to use that? verse as his template but it's amazing little verse here here it says this is what the lord says to the people of judah and jerusalem by the way context jeremiah is the weeping prophet they're in exile god's pleading with them to trust me follow me obey me get your soil in the right place and we can take care of things we can do things we can get you out of exile we can give you a full rich life so that's kind of the context and he says Break up your unplowed ground. Do not sow among thorns. So the path, then the thorns. And then this weird one he finishes with, which says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. What a weird phrase. Uh, Let's be honest, awkward phrase. Hey, let's talk about circumcision for a minute. Why is that in there? What was circumcision? It meant a lot to the culture there. For us, it's just kind of a weird comment. But to them, circumcision was the sign that we are related. We are trusting God. We are, we're in a covenant here. And the sign of that covenant, we'll circumcise ourselves to show the world we're following God. We're trusting God. We're obeying God. And Jeremiah turns out to say, circumcise your hearts. Again, your soil. Too many people with rocky soil, unwilling to give me allegiance. Uh, circumcise, take those things away from your heart, weeds and rocks, so that you can trust me, so you can experience kingdom life. Um, I just love that picture to think about. Uh, well, we're going to end there, uh, move into a time of communion, and I want to just, uh, as you prepare for that, leave you with a couple things you can do to respond or think about as, uh, from what we talked about. Uh, one would be, 
what soil or what heart type do you most identify with? As you heard all that, what kind of said, oh, that's, that's kind of me. That's where I'm at. I mean, I identified with two of them really easily as a kid growing up, going into college. That was no problem identifying that. Um, second, and maybe most important, take time to name and respond to the weeds and rocks in your soil, in your field. Um, not enough to say, oh, yeah, I'm sure there's things that distract me. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm struggling to really give God more ownership. Name those things like I had to do. I want control. That's my rock. Give that to God. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to, however you want to phrase it. What is, what is the rock? What is the thing that blocks you from having a deeper relationship with Jesus? In the same way, name your weeds. You know, what is it? Is it, you know, sometimes we do test, assess our, I'm doing too much. We'll do that spiritually and say, what, what needs to be taken out? Identify those things that, you know what? I got to create space for God. I've got to identify and name those weeds. And then finally, this is the fun part. I would encourage, I would just invite you to do this. I've done it before and it's really good, especially with a group of people. Draw a picture of your garden. Draw a picture, kind of like a cutaway where you can kind of see the underground, what your root system look like, where are the rocks, label them, how big are they, uh, how dangerous are they. Same thing with the weeds, are they small weeds, are they big weeds? What's the what's the your plant look like? Got a smile on its face? Is it kind of withering? What, and put a sun up there. Maybe identify some things that is uh, you're facing, um, and kind of maybe talk to people about that. Meet with somebody and say, "Hey, tell me what your picture looks like. Tell me what your garden looks like," and encourage each other to say, "Hey, let's let's uh, let's experience the kingdom more together." Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.